0: Six again, six again.
1: Thank you very much for joining us for a first today, it's the very first ever and hopefully of many uh, cricket podcasts, uh, TheBigKickOff.com and I'm delighted to say I've got not one, not two, but three cricket experts and we're going to uh, divulge into a whole lot of cricket subjects. Delighted to say I've been joined by the Daily Mail cricket uh, man, Paul Newman. Hi Pete, how are you doing?
0: Very well, thank
1: you very much yourself.
0: Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, yeah, enjoying the uh, enjoying the fact we've, we've finally got cricket happening uh, both internationally, and domestically. It's been good.
1: Absolutely right, most definitely. And also been joined by former Middlesex, uh, Sussex uh, twirler player, uh, Ollie Rayner. Uh,
2: good afternoon, Jolly. How how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm very pleased to be sort of called an expert in cricket. I don't think everyone would agree, but yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you, you you really love to
1: be out there playing, wouldn't you? Even if it is about 100 degrees, come on. <laughs> oh,
2: I was, uh, I was on the beach at my parents' house down in uh, Eastbourne, looking back at the cliffs and the sea, and I thought, mm, yeah, maybe not too
1: fast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame you. And finally, I've been joined by ECB Reporters uh, Network and also a regular contributor to Sky Sports Digital Cricket coverage. It's a pleasure to welcome Ben Kosky. Good afternoon to you, Ben. Hi Peter, nice to be here. Very much so. Well, chaps, uh, the subject is cricket. We have got a huge amount to get through. Um, We're divulging to some excellent domestic cricket shortly, but before we do that, let's uh, get the ball rolling, so to speak, with um, test match cricket. Now, a few months ago, a lot of people would have doubted there would have been any form of test match cricket, but I'm so pleased to say that uh, that wasn't the case. And I'll tell you what, we've been treated by some wonderful international cricket. We've come on to the uh, uh, Ireland ODI series and also the the West Indian series. But the current series, England-Pakistan, is already uh, proving to be what everybody said it would be, a a wonderful series. So best of three. Uh, Tomorrow is the second test at the Aegeus Bowl. We'll look into that shortly. Um, Start things off with Paul, Paul Newman from the Daily Mail. Paul, I know you were at the... uh, first test against Pakistan I mean test cricket just gets better and better and for those doubters who keep saying to me over and over again test cricket is so boring come on now that's totally wrong isn't it what a thrilling and it has to be said nerve wrangling the final day wasn't it
0: absolutely I mean it remains the greatest game doesn't it and and long, long may it rain I feel sorry for young supporters if they're going to be denied test cricket in the future to be honest with you Pete and I very much hope that it never gets to that stage it was an incredible victory it was amazing to be there it was a privilege to be there of course because not many people have been able to be at the grounds this year um, the ECB have done a tremendous job to be fair to them um, it's all incredibly well organized it's all incredibly strict in terms of the, the safety measures um, and there we were there's 12 press guys invited into each game uh, I was at the top of the pavilion in a little executive box, not in our normal position because it's um, in the same as the players. We're not allowed to mix with them. And it's a beautiful, it was a wonderful view and it was a wonderful test match and to be there when, I mean, it was it was the miracle of Manchester, wasn't it? It wasn't quite up with Headingley in the World Cup last year, but it wasn't far behind. They, you know, England conceded 107 run first innings uh, deficit. Uh, they were 117 for five uh, on Saturday with Stokes and Pope gone to brutes of deliveries, you know, the, and you really thought there was no coming back from that, but Lo and behold, up popped two heroes in Josh Butler and Chris Wokes. And it was fantastic. And the only shame was that, that Old Trafford wasn't rocking. You know, you, I looked over to my right where there's normally that big party stand. And obviously that's not there. And you just thought a full house on a Saturday enjoying this would have been quite something. But to be fair, the games have seemed like real test matches. They are real test matches. You know, they, they've had the intensity of real test matches. Um, it's been very unfortunate. Fans are not there, but they've but been a real treat, and the West Indies series was great, and the start to this one was even better.
1: I was going to say, because I think everyone's doubt would have been intensity levels, wouldn't it? Because there was always this fear, wasn't there? Look, you know, there's no crowd, there's no atmosphere. How are players going to perform? But let's face it, those players proved every critic wrong, didn't they? Absolutely, and you have players like Stuart Broad,
0: for instance, who's someone who really bounces off the crowd, and he said beforehand, uh, before the summer started that he'd been speaking to a sports psychologist about how he was going to miss that and how he had to get himself up but after they left him out of that first test we've seen him perform fantastically well um, without, without a crowd in and he took his 500th test wicket of course against West Indies again I was one of the few lucky enough to be there and on that occasion there was a rare burst of applause from the press box actually because we thought <laughs> if there's no one else here to sort of uh, signal this you know, celebrate this landmark we'd better do it um, so no, the players have been as intense as ever they've not been able to put saliva on the ball of course which I think has affected Jimmy Anderson for one. He hasn't got the swing that he would normally expect to get in an English summer. Um, But the the games have been terrific. The the players have put everything into it. They're bought into it. You know, they've been locked away in these hotels for a long time, particularly the opposition have been done tremendously well to stay basically at at a cricket ground for weeks on end. Uh, And it's been great. And it's been a financial lifesaver for the ECB. And more importantly, it's uh, it's given a lot of cricket watchers um, some pleasure again, either watching it on the telly or listening on the radio or following it on uh, online if they can. And, and And for that reason, we must all be
1: thankful, as I say, it sets it up nicely obviously for the second test tomorrow. We'll come on to that shortly, but you know that partnership obviously virtually got England over the line didn't it with uh, wokes, who finished eighty four not out and Josh butler remember he 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 had a huge amount of pressure on his shoulders, didn't he Paul with a bat in particular he did because he
0: had a very poor match with uh, with the gloves he um he he missed two chances um uh, when San, uh, Sean Masood was uh, was on um, forty five of his eventual one hundred and fifty six, and and then he, he missed a, a third one, he dropped Yassir Shah. That wasn't quite so costly, but these were errors that it looked as though were going to cost England the game. We know that that Jos hasn't um, scored the the runs that people hoped um, when he came back into Test cricket. Um, we know how good he is, and how gifted he is in the white ball game. Uh, but this was a proper innings. This was a really good innings. It was, it was, a, it was a, you know, he had a chase, I suppose. So it was what he was, he's so good at in white ball cricket. Mm. But, but it, it wasn't anything like it because obviously there were a lot of slips in place, a very different game. And, um, but he, he judged it perfectly. And, and up the other end, Chris Wokes, who barely scored a run since he scored a test century two years ago, uh, was just fantastic. They were both batting a place higher than you would normally expect at uh, six and seven. Um, uh, so the balance wasn't really there, but but geez, they did a fantastic job. And it, it was a it was a true miracle. I think it was an incredible test match. And once again, as we as you said at the start of this, proved that Test cricket is the greatest game.
1: Chris Wokes in particular, Paul, he always seems to be the man who always gets missed out, doesn't he? Really? I mean, normally if England drops somebody, it's normally wokes, isn't it, as regards a bowler more than anything. But you know, he's already proved, doesn't he, time and time again, he finish. he's a very good all rounder, isn't he? And of course. That, that proved the point uh, in that last test. Absolutely. I mean, his bowling
0: average is better than um, the broad, broader Anderson, I think, in England. In English conditions, he's, he's superb. Um, he took five wickets in the second innings of the last test against West Indies, yet there were still people saying he might be the one to miss out. He might have only been playing because Ben Stokes couldn't, couldn't bowl and they needed an extra bowler. Um, he's almost too unassuming and nice for his own good, isn't he? It must be easier to leave him out if you're the captain than, than someone like Stuart Broad or Jimmy Anderson. But he's a fantastic performer. I think he's actually improving with the Kookaburra Overseas as well. His overseas record is nothing like his home one. The average is something like 50 abroad, I think. But he did a lot of work with Darren Goff, I know, in New Zealand at the start of last winter on uh, on bowling more aggressively at a fuller length with the Kookaburra ball. So I think he's shown improvement with that. And, and really, he's the natural successor to Anderson when he eventually calls it a day, you would think. He can bat two, as he showed last week. Uh, and, it, and he really is an excellent cricketer and, and a thoroughly nice guy. And it, it was great to see... Uh, nice guys do well, as it were. You know, good, good things happen to good people as as we saw at Old Trafford last Saturday.
1: Thanks, Paul. I'll come back to you in a minute. Ollie, um let's just quickly get your thoughts uh, on that, obviously, that first test in particular. Stuart Broad, I mean, I, I guess the best way to get anything out of Stuart Broad is to drop him, isn't he? Because he's an angry man and he comes
2: back and just wants to prove everybody wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't imagine he's... I can't remember the last time he dropped. I know he has been a little bit... In and out over sort of the last five years, certainly, but not very often. Um, you know, I used to react very similarly when I used to get dropped um, in my earlier years with a points prover. Uh, unfortunately, I run out of steam in the end trying to try and prove everyone wrong, but I, I was very surprised he was left out of the Aegeas bowl. Um, I I, I thought, you know, with all the intel and everything, a SEMA was probably going to be more. Uh, effective there than just going for out-and-out pace and trying to bully opposition in England. It's Mm -hmm. not, although I'm not far out of the game, I don't want to sort I'll be diplomatic to a certain degree. But, you know, it's not going to put the Woolies up people at the Ejizbo and I thought, I was surprised when he got left out. So it was good that he came back and did well. Um, I would absolutely ditto the Wokes um, sentiment as well. I just, I think you know, he seems to be the the sort of fringe player, as it were, in and out. Yeah, he's come and he's a, you know, he's a trusty workhorse week in, week out when he plays. He's got an incredible first class record with both bat and ball. Um, and, you know, I suppose my one bit of controversy would, see it was, would be with, would, would be Butler, because I think he's an incredible player, uh, as Paul alluded to, first in the team sheet every day of the week in white ball cricket. I think if you're looking for a batsman who keeps it's first then, if you're looking for a keeper who bats it's folks, personally. Um, but it, I'm more than happy that he proved us wrong the other day and really stepped up, um, you know, because he did make a couple of mistakes with the gloves. Um, some of them unfair to say, when uh, I think he dropped one standing up to the wicket off the spinner uh, best, but they, they stick or they don't, it's not really a drop in my mind. But uh, I did see the stumping, obviously. Um, so yeah, without rattling on too much, I would to a lot of that, but Um, Yeah, no, it's good to have cricket up and running for sure. (laughs) You talk
1: about Butler, as Paul mentioned earlier, obviously, to be fair to him, it wasn't one of his better matches, was it, behind the stumps, it has to be said. I mean, he he did make amends, obviously, with that match winning knocking at the end. But there's always this debate, isn't there? Um, Should he really be England's test wicketkeeper at the moment? I mean, you know, I I know you're not a
2: wicketkeeper, Ollie, obviously, but, but what's your thoughts on that? Well, like I kind of alluded to, I think if you want the best keeper in the country, it's folks. And he's proved that he can bat as well. Um, and if you want the best batter who keeps, you know, I think it's Birstow, personally. Um, but as you've, uh, you've said, I'm not an authority on wicket-keeping. It's just my sort of uh, view from afar. Um, and I'm, not, I'm in no way bagging Joss with both bat or gloves in Red ball cricket, but it is slightly different to the white ball game.
1: Then... Um... What's your thoughts on the Josh Butler situation as regards keeping
3: the gloves or not keeping the gloves? I think um, Ollie's been very diplomatic there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm old-fashioned about this. To me, in Test cricket, you pick your best wicketkeeper mm. and there's no way that is Josh Butler. No way at all. Um, and that's not to decry his ability with the bat. We saw, we, we've seen for years what a quality batsman he is. Um, and he showed that so much in, in that last innings at Old Trafford. However, you're looking primarily, to me, for the best wicketkeeper. And as Ollie said, for me, that's Ben Folkes. Mm. I think actually, if you look at uh, the stats, you'll find, I mean, Ben Foulkes has made one test century. He's only played a handful of tests. Joss Butler's made one test century and 40-odd tests. So I don't see that you would diminish the batting by putting folks in. I think the interesting question, and, and it wouldn't come into play in this test, but the interesting question would be, is there a case for picking Butler purely as a batsman
2: mm.
3: in test cricket? Um, maybe there is at, at some point. Uh, for me, I don't really know what, what more folks has to do to 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 get uh, in the side as a test wicketkeeper because he's, he's very clearly the best man behind the stumps. Um, and I'll go back to an era where Jack Russell was England's number one because he was the best wicketkeeper. He had the best reactions. He was best at taking catches, stumpings, etc. He was a decent batsman. In the end, he lost out because he wasn't as good a batsman as Alex Stewart, who was obviously one of the the best batsmen around. Um, But I think with, with this test in mind, of course, the whole issue has been if you like, has had to be shelved because Ben Stokes is missing. That upsets the balance of the team. So probably this isn't the time to be messing about with uh, with the wicket-keeping situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you feel, Ben, in particular, this is a case of... <laughs> I don't want to get too political here. <laughs> if, if your face fits, you're in. If it doesn't, you're not. Because it seems to be with Ben folks, as you said, I mean, to be fair, he's done nothing wrong, has he? If you remember going back, he got that century... He hasn't really done anything wrong, but he, he just seems to be... His face just doesn't seem to fit at the moment.
3: Yeah, I, I've no idea why that would be, but I, I think the point you're making, Peter, is is probably right. There are some players who do seem to be ring-fenced a little mm. bit uh, and others who are left out very quickly for maybe one or two slightly below-par performances. Um, that does seem a little bit strange. Um I mean, I think, I think you'd have to get Ed Smith on here to answer <laughs> why that would be. Um, I suppose, playing devil's advocate though, um, if you did ask uh, Ed Smith those questions, he would probably point to the fact that England are ahead in this series. They won the previous series. Mm. They won the series before that. So he would argue the plan's working. Yeah. Paul? <coughs>
1: Folks? Butler? Bastion. <laughs> well, I, I,
0: I'm, a, I'm a traditional keeping man as well as the other guys have said. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of James Foster and think I think yeah. it's a, a travesty. He didn't play 100 Tests, but I suppose if he had have done, a certain Matt Pryor wouldn't have wouldn't have done so, and he wasn't bad either. But no, I love I love proper wicket keeping. I think Ben Folks is a, a proper wicket keeper. He's a, he's terrific. Watching him in Sri Lanka a couple of years ago, you thought this is a real technician. This is a real master of his craft. And as Ben said, you know, he scored a century on debut, so. It wouldn't. It wouldn't take too much away from the batting if you had him there. I'm sure. Um, there is a theory within the England um, setup. I think that he might be a bit susceptible to high quality fast bowling. Uh, this is their theory. One of their theories in the camp. So I think they're a little bit reluctant to put him in there with a view to Australia uh, in 18 months' time. Um, yes, he'd be fantastic again in the subcontinent. But they're trying to to build a side that can win in Australia after losing 5-0, 4-0 the last two times. Uh, so that that seems to be their, their theory. Um, now, that's hotly denied. I've, I've spoken to Alex Stewart about that, who's hotly denied that. He said, no, we know him best at Surrey. That's, that's not the case. Um, hmm. But really, if they do feel there's an issue there, they need to try and um, have a look soon to, to, to work it out. Because Pakistan have got pace. If you played against Pakistan, that would be a good, a good test of it. If he doesn't play now and, and they do play him in the winter in the, in the subcontinent or the UAE if England end up playing India there, then he won't really be tested on hard pitches against the pace that he'd face in Australia. So there's even a suggestion that if they do move away from Butler, they might skip folks altogether and go to James Bracey, who mm-hmm. seems to have made a big impression on them uh, in, the, in the bubble this year. Um, and uh, Johnny, Johnny Bears, though just seems to be very unlucky. Really, um, it is Ed, it is Ed Smith, I think, and, and Joe Root who are very keen on having Butler around. They like what he brings. He's part of the think tank. You know, he's he's um, he's very much one of the the sort of most important team men they believe. And, and consequently, Johnny's been pushed out when he hadn't done too much wrong. He had a bit of a barren spell with a bat, but really, uh, as Ollie says, if you're looking for a, a batsman keeper, then what did what did Johnny do wrong, really? Um, so, there's there, so much going on there. You could you could have a number of uh, of, of options. Uh, Butler really needed that innings to stay in the side, I think. But everyone in England camp so wanted him to succeed. I think he's got some way to go before they'd, they'd give up on him.
1: Let's turn our thoughts to Pakistan. I mean... You know, England got an outstanding bowling attack. It has to be said, Paul. I mean, at the moment, it's a question of who would you put in. You know, people are going to lose out, aren't they? Sam Curran's losing out. Mark Wood, I know, obviously when he's fit, etc., as well, seems to be losing out. For the next test, uh, Ollie Robinson, who's done remarkably well for Sussex, has been called up in particular. But I tell you what, this Pakistan pace attack is outstanding, isn't it?
0: Yeah, terrific. They looked really good last week. I, I thought England were going to lose that game for three and a half days, you know, until that final <laughs> afternoon. The, the young lad Nassim Shah is very exciting. The, the left arm, Shaheen Afridi is terrific. Yassir Shah, of course, world-class leg spinner, as he showed in the, in the game. Mohamed Abbas, brilliant in English conditions. So they seemed the perfect attack, really. And it was interesting that their heads went down when things didn't start happening for them in that six-wicket partnership that won the game for England. And up until then, they would made all the running. So they've got a very good attack. It sounds like uh, Wacker Eunice did a press conference today and it sounds like they're going to uh, play the same attack uh, and why wouldn't they? They're a good attack so we'll see how they go uh, Joe Root said that Jimmy Anderson definitely plays You know, we, we know he wasn't at his best at Old Trafford um, and uh, he, he's, he's talked about how frustrated he was at that but, but England have backed him You know, he needs 10 more wickets for 600 which is an extraordinary figure as we all know he plays and then other than, after that I don't know, I've got a feeling Sam Curran might get a game tomorrow but but uh, otherwise, it's, it's quite tough to see who, who plays, really, other, other than you would expect Zach Crawley to play for, for the missing Ben Stokes.
1: Ollie, um, Paul mentioned about uh, Yassir Shah. He's still going strong, isn't he? He's well into his 30s. He bowled very, very well in that last test.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It just shows, the I'd say, the importance of having you know, an out-and-out, world-class spinner in the side. Um, and that is not, taking nothing away from Bess um, or Leach or I don't know Rashid. Obviously, they don't. They like Rashid bowling with another bowler who offers control, so he can um, sort of because he's not as tight, but does take wickets. But it just shows that importance to me, to be honest. Um, I think someone like a Bess is outstanding in English conditions mm. uh, in terms of generally you're going to have a controlling spinner who when it does turn, can take wickets, but generally he's going to hold the name of build pressure. He's a great fielder and can bat. Uh, whereas Sha obviously can bat, but he's there for his bowling. And it shows, you know, going into the final innings, you know, that's where they come and they end their, their keep. So, yeah, I think, and it was interesting you say about building sides for Australia and things like that. You'd argue then when we play in England, the likes of Rushworth, Ollie Robinson, who don't seem to fit the bill, um, in terms of their roaring pace but are very, very effective in England. It doesn't seem to swing both ways. Um, but again, what would I know? I'm not a selector. I'm just sort of <laughs> sitting on the other side of the fence now. <laughs> if <I have> the... <laughs> would you like to be, Ollie? <laughs> I'll take on the selection role, no worries, but I don't <laughs> think that would be good for England's cricket. <laughs> <Spice>
1: <laughs> just finally on this series, um, Ben, I'll throw this one open to you. Uh, we haven't seen the best yet, have we, of Jofra Archer. In my opinion, he hasn't been bowling as, as fast as what he
3: normally can do. What, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's an interesting one because uh, I think during the, the previous test, uh, Joffre made some comments about how you, you can't just turn up and bowl 90 miles an hour every day. And then there are others uh, analysing the pitch and saying, that's nonsense. No, p- pitch like that, he should be bowling 90 miles an hour. Um, it was also suggested there's possibly a little bit of um, hesitancy just because of the injury that that mm. Archer had during the winter that he's maybe not kind of ready to to push himself full tilt yet. Um, I, I think there were some some curious moments. I mean, there, there was certainly that spell um, in the in the first test where I think just about everyone was a bit amused that Archer wasn't given the new the new ball or, or sorry wasn't given that spell. I think just after a session when Pakistan were looking vulnerable um, and there, there is always going to be this question I think about is he being used in the right way because there's no doubt about his his speed and his ability to, to to blast sides out. He's so deceptive. I mean you watch him run up to, to the crease and he hardly seems to be exerting himself but then the ball's coming out at uh, ridiculous speeds sometimes. Um, I think it's also it's going to be hard to judge perhaps any seamer in this summer simply because they're all playing uh back to back to back test matches, or, or the teams are playing that, so you can't have every fast bowler playing in all those games. Therefore, it's going to be hard for them to get rhythm, I would, I would guess. And so maybe it's one of those that, that we have to just perhaps put aside until we have something approaching a normal cricket schedule again
1: paul what's your thoughts on uh Joffre?
0: well it is an interesting one i mean what a talent first of all i mean the way he he, he introduced himself to international cricket last summer was extraordinary wasn't it the world cup and, and then the ashes test at lords um i don't know it, it's, it's been weird at times um obviously joe Root seemed to over bowl him in new zealand uh Last winter, there have been times this summer when he seemed to under bowl him. As Ben was saying, there there were times at Old Trafford when it it seemed really weird that he wasn't bowling. It seemed odd when he said that it wasn't the sort of pitch that you bend your back on, because um, you, you you do feel that it is. It, it was exactly the sort of pitch you, you bent your back on if you were if you were him. And he, he's he's there to provide pace, really. We've got a lot of um, extremely good uh, medium fast bowlers who do a bit with the ball. Joffrey is there to to provide um, extreme pace, really, and. Um, so it, it's fascinating, really. I think we're seeing a young bowler finding his way. We're seeing um, an England captain in Joe Root um, learning how to try to get the best out of a young bowler finding his way. Um, and and but and I'm, I'm sure that there will be a lot of very good things to to come from him. But it would be nice to to see him tomorrow. I, I think he he's going to play tomorrow. It's not certain, you know. They've got a lot of bowlers to choose from. But I'd like to see him running in bowling short, sharp spells. If if not, then. You know, let's let uh, let Mark Wood do that job because he's been unlucky to play only one test this summer as well.
1: Very much so. Let's quickly look back then. I mentioned about the ODI series, uh, England against Ireland. Congratulations for Ireland on that run chase. It has to be said in that third ODI. Aside from that, it was a very good all-round England performance. Paul, what's your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, it it was. We saw some new faces, didn't we? Um, It was good to see David Willey come back um, so strongly as well. He was obviously the unlucky man to miss out for Joffre Archer from the World Cup squad last year, having played virtually for four years before then. So he was very unlucky. I think England were absolutely right to pick Joffre, but whoever was going to miss out were unlucky. And Willie's bide did his time. He didn't come out and have a go at anybody in the set-up. And now he's back and he had three very good games, apart from when he came back at the death in the in the third one. Um, really good for for Ireland that they won it. Um, um, good, good series. I think... White ball cricket will suffer in, the, in, the, in this environment, in this biosecure environment, without spectators more than test cricket, actually, because you really want the, the fans there, don't you? To cheer on the mm-hmm. sixes and what have you. And 2020 games, I think, are going to be particularly weird. But again, it was good that it, it happened. It was good that Ireland got a win with this new league system. They got 20 points, I think, for that, wasn't it? Or 10 points, whatever it was. Um, and, uh, and England got to see a couple of new faces. The one disappointment, perhaps, was that Tom Banton didn't really take his chance. I know he got a half century in the third game. But I'd really uh, like to see
1: more of him because he seems uh, a special talent. Very much so. And of course, before that was the England West Indies Test Series. Uh, Ollie, um, England did well to come from 1-0 down, to be fair. People were, some critics were writing them off after that first test. But of course, uh, England, as they do, answered their critics in the best way. We mentioned him earlier, a player of
2: the series, yeah, game with Stuart Brawl, wasn't it? Well, again, you know, in English conditions, I thought, especially that first test where obviously Jason Holder did so well, I think the toss was pretty important there, and obviously they did have the better conditions of it, um, not that that's an excuse necessarily, um, but it, it, it is frustrating watching, and it does seem to take England a bit of time sometimes to wake up, um, which is oh too familiar from some of my days in the county circuit, but um, yeah, a, a great series and, and really, um, I suppose I didn't really appreciate the enormity of that series in terms of getting some cricket going, what, all the hoops that everyone had to jump through just to get that on. And then I saw a, a interview with Jason Holder sort of saying that we've helped England cricket out, you know, come over to the West Indies, whether that's going to be feasible or not. I, I don't know. I would suspect not personally, but... Um, yeah, no, it was, it was brilliant. And uh, to have some cricket back going again. And I think you have to understand how hard that would have been for the players. Um, the first, like you've already said, the first game without really any crowds. No one really knows what's, how it's going to pan out, what it's going to be like. Living in that bubble um, is tough. You know, even when you tour abroad, it, you, it's not as tight as that. And it's still quite hard. Um, so yeah, hats off to them And they hadn't played a lot of cricket leading up to it so Any proper real, you know, proper cricket They're all doing home workouts in the garden And, you know, <laughs> deadlifting their babies and things um, So yeah, good on them for that And and yeah, Broad, Broad showed his class again I mean, he, his class And, and, uh, and Holder, it, it's another funny one as well Because he was sort of the hero after getting those wickets in the first game And then he kind of wasn't quite as effective in the others But, you know That's the way the game goes.
1: (laughs) I, I, I think you're right in saying also, I mean, I think the West Indies really deserve a huge amount of praise because they could have refused to come over, couldn't they, really? I mean, there was a few of their players who understandably were very unsure about the circumstances that we were experiencing over here. Obviously, it was their decision, but the bulk of them were quite happy to tour and I think by the look of them, that they were enjoying themselves, weren't they? They, you know, That they wanted to play. And as I say, I think, to be fair, I think that they should take a huge amount of credit for
2: that. No, definitely. I think hats off to them. Like I said, it was not an easy environment to be part of. Um, and they came over and did themselves an enormous, you know, credit there. Um, and they played some really good cricket. I'd like to see them maybe tighten up a little bit with the batting to make it slightly more competitive uh, again. It's probably about as uh, undiplomatic as I'm going to get, but you know, I am um, <laughs> a fan of Test cricket, and I would like to see uh, maybe a little bit more put on 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 people's wickets uh, in general. Actually, England, West Indies, Pakistan—they're probably all guilty of it. But um, yeah, no, it was a good start to the summer. Way it finally got going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um- We're going to now move on to domestic cricket because um, not only is international cricket back, we've been flooded now with domestic cricket, which I know obviously you were a big fan of and still are, Ollie, understandably so. Um, Ben, I'll come on to you quickly. Obviously, it's the start of a a new tournament. No county championship this season, which obviously was a huge disappointment. But enter the Bob Willis Trophy. Uh, Obviously, it's been regionalised. Personally, I think it's a massive success already. Hopefully, it will continue that throughout the rest of the uh, summer as well. Now, you were at Radley, weren't you, covering a, another thrilling game. Um, what's
3: your thoughts so far on this uh, trophy? Well, I've, got, I've got to say, I, I agree with you, Peter. I think uh, so far, it's it's been a real success. I mean, the amount of time that was left in the summer, it obviously wasn't feasible to play mm. anything resembling a normal county championship. So, I think this was... A good option. It's an entirely one off tournament, um, obviously, minimal travelling for for obvious reasons. Um, But uh, of course, the other factor is that uh, there are no overseas players involved. And I think inevitably that's meant for a lot of the county sides they're looking at it to to try out a few youngsters. um, And so far, that they seem to be responding well. I think the, the other good thing is that the format of the tournament means that uh, because it's only the top two teams after the group stage are going to a final, it uh, it makes for more exciting cricket. There's no point really in playing for draws. You may as well try and set up result games um, if you have to, but there have been a lot of natural result games as, as well. Um, and as you say, the game at Radlett was, was actually a, a very good... Uh, Four-day cricket match, um, which really could have gone either way uh, up until the last uh, ten minutes or so, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think really in that sense it's uh, it's been a big success. Uh, I would say, probably my experience uh, media-wise is a little bit different to what Paul's experienced in in the bubble, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, Ollie. We'll have played at Radlett uh, quite a few times. I think he, he knows what the setup is there. Um, I think I have to say the most bizarre thing I found uh, with the setup was uh, that, that, for obvious reasons, you're not permitted to touch the ball when it when it's hit near you. Only the players and the umpires can touch the ball. So, so I found we ended up with situations a little bit like when you're playing golf and your playing partner's lost their ball. Uh, and then, and you're not going to get it for them you're just kind of pointing you just saying, no no further back further back under that tree you know and the poor fielders kind of scrabbling around in, in the undergrowth trying to trying to find where the ball's gone um, but despite that no i, I think it was uh, it was great to be uh to, to be involved with with that competition and uh, and i think uh, it's uh, it's going to be good to see how it pans out over the next few weeks is there a possibility, Ben, that
1: this could be the new county championship? Uh, I, I'm thinking in terms of hopefully we're not going to have another COVID-19 situation, etc. happening next year. But who knows? You just can't tell, can you, the way the world is at the moment. But would you be in favour of that? Or would you prefer to go back to well, the present county championship?
3: Well... It's an interesting question you've raised there, Peter. I mean, I think you could argue that if they wanted to tinker with the the, the structure, then maybe you could go to three groups of six instead of, mm-hmm. uh, what, what are we, ten and eight, uh, as as the divisions are in, in the Championship. Um, I'm not sure you could carry on doing it on a regional basis, simply because it is going to get boring if you're literally playing the same five teams every year. Um, but that might be something they look at. I mean, again, of course, it's, it'll be something they may judge on what's the public interest in terms of live streams and things like that, how many people are, are tuning in to watch the games. Um, so might be a possibility. I think at the moment the line is certainly this is a one-off for these unusual circumstances and all being well, next year we go back to the the, the more traditional format.
1: Mm. Paul, the actual streaming figures uh, Ben mentioned about there apparently for every county have been absolutely huge. I, I know, obviously, it's early stages yet. Having said that, and of course, at the end at the end of the day, uh, we can't have fans going into Cricket Grange yet. At some point, hopefully, that might change. Um, I, I know, obviously, you're more international cricket wise, obviously covering it for the paper. But I know you you're still a county man deep at heart, which is uh, good <laughs> to hear as well. Um, do you feel this is a competition so far that is working and could it be progressed further?
0: Absolutely. I think it's terrific. Um, very heartened uh, to, to hear. So, as you say, the, the figures on the internet streaming services are, are so are so good. And I think it proves what we all know, that, that county cricket is exceptionally popular. Um, um, the coverage in the sort of mainstream media has um, has dwindled away to an extent in my time in newspapers and that's a great shame. But what you have got now is the excellent services that that you know people like Ben provide and, and all the counties provide is followed immensely I think and it's followed on the internet you think a lot of a lot of cricket followers you know traditional county followers might be quite old uh, like myself but but people are following it in modern ways um and I think it, it, it's brilliant and, and this was the best option for this summer unquestionably I think it was I think it's, it's perfect that it's named the Bob Willis trophy because he's a great man of cricket who who sadly passed away in December he was also passionate about the right structure for county cricket. He, he was very much wanted the, the, the game to look at conference systems, I think. So I think he would have approved uh, and it won't be the championship. You know, I, I very much hope Essex win it. I don't mind saying that. And they've made a fantastic start. <laughs> um, and uh, Simon Harmer, you, you know, Bemba no overseas player. Well, uh, there's one there. I know he's not an official overseas player, but he's taken 20 wickets in two games, which is extraordinary. And. And there's every chance they'll repeat their, their title success of last year. But it, it shouldn't be called the championship. It won't be called the championship. It'll be, hopefully, touchwood a one-off uh, from this extraordinary summer. Um, but it, it's great. Uh, you know, counter cricket is live and kicking with the blast is coming back. And it's interesting that they've, 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 uh, the dates for the blast, you know, the quarterfinals on October the 1st mm. and the final on October the 3rd. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's with an eye. To, to really trying hard to get fans in there because at the moment the government is saying from October we might be able to get fans back into sports grounds so let's hope that this season does end it will be very late uh, remarkably lately but you know we you never know we could have a sunny October day with um, 8,000 people in Edgbaston for the 2020 finals day which would, which would be some way to finish uh, what has been such a difficult season and would be reward for the hard work that so many people have put in to, to make what we are getting happen.
1: Ollie, uh, have you been following much of this uh, What Willis Trophy uh,
2: matches this season? Yeah, to a certain extent. I was never sort of renowned for my, uh, you know, keeping an eye on too much on the cricket, but now, yeah, it's obviously not much else to do at, at times. So yeah, no, it's been great. Um, I'd agree. I, I was actually quite surprised to see so many debutants because I thought was one year where no one's going to because no one's knackered halfway through it. Um, but that's obviously <laughs> encouraging to see the amount of youngsters that are coming through. Um, and uh, I did put a tweet out uh, uh, prior to the start saying, well, presumably if we're starting in, uh, you know, July August, uh, we'll be starting with two spinners from the get go. So um, I know Middlesex have classic, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's been good. Um, <laughs> okay, um, but um, no, I think it, I think it has been has been really good, and just to get the guys out there and people are obviously desperate to watch it. Uh, the cricket and get going, and I do hope, in a way, obviously I'm slightly biased towards the spin. I do hope that it does help maybe them restructure the championship a little bit um, to bookend it. It's I, I don't think it's even good cricket. It takes spin out of it. You know the batters are struggling early year, the seamers you know aren't coming into their own at the back end of the year, and then the spinners finally turn up after not bowling any overs all you know, for half the season. So I do hope that they, it evens it out a little bit and maybe gives them a bit of a heads up on that. Um But again, I don't want to be a broken record on that. But um no, it's good to see. Um And there's some cricket here, which is great. <laughs> and bloody Simon Harmock, he's taking loads of wickets like making all the other <laughs> time, <a> rubbish bigger. <laughs> As yes, you know he's a little bit special, isn't I don't it? Think he Paul? even fell off to a good start, did he? <laughs> it didn't even take a load against Kent or whatever. So <laughs> oh he is human and now he's back to normal. So yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> You're only jealous. <laughs> oh, absolutely 100 percent Yeah.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> 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 Guys, before we go, um, just quickly go back to the test. Uh, coming up, we've got a second and third test, obviously, against Pakistan. England currently uh, hold uh, the aces. Paul, how do you see the rest of the series going?
0: I, I fancy England to win 3-0, actually, now, Pete. Uh, famous last words, I know, because um, <laughs> the game is so unpredictable, isn't it? But the way Pakistan's heads went down on that final afternoon last Saturday, I thought, well, they've, they've, they've been on top for, for the vast majority of this game. They've not been able to get over the line. Will that affect them? I also think you know they've got two very young uh, seam bowlers there. We saw the West Indies run out of steam when they tried to pick the same attack really for three successive games. So I wonder if Pakistan might suffer the same problems if if they haven't got the depth that England have got, which seems likely. Um, so I, I fancy England strongly at the moment. Um, uh, having said that, England you know they'll often confound you. They'll 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 they they win when you don't expect them to, like last Saturday. And as Oli said earlier, you know they'll. They're they're, they're notoriously slow starters, so they got away with this one Um, and um, no, it should be two more good test matches and and I'm I'm confident of a 3-0 victory for England at the moment.
1: Okay, I'll remember
2: that. Um, (laughs) Oddie? I'll sit on the fence. I'll go 2-1 England. Um, (laughs) Although I do do actually agree with what Paul says. Um, I hadn't really looked into the, the wear and tear of the bowling attack, but more... You know, being in that bubble away from home, I think that can take its toll as well. So I think 3-0 is not the worst shot. But like I say, I just sit on the fence with a 2-1. Easy, <laughs> easily done.
3: And <laughs> finally, Ben. Well, you, you're almost forcing me to uh, say 2-1 Pakistan by <laughs> the elimination. But, but you're not. Um, I'm not going to. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 England as well. Um, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I feel... A clean sweep would be very nice for England. I'm I'm not sure there's quite strong enough to do it. I think again, batting-wise, there's there's questions still remaining. Um what I would like to see is is should England win the second test and the series? I really do hope that some of the guys we've spoken about, like Ollie Robinson, mm-hmm. uh Bracey, I, I would love to see them given a go. Um because I think you know that's that's really what it should be about especially if they're all part of the bubble um you shouldn't make people just sit around for weeks in a hotel and not give them any cricket as well so i would like to see that i'd like to see players use but yeah i'm gonna go 2-1 england as well
1: thank you very much
3: ben ollie
1: paul thank you so much for your time been absolute pleasure talking about the wonderful sport of cricket this is the first of what hopefully will be many uh, big Kickoff uh, Cricket Podcast. My thanks to all three guys. Uh, from time to time, we've be having different media people on, ex-players, current players, etc. as well. And remember, for all sport information, including lots of cricket, it's uh, thebigkickoff.com. Ben, Ollie, Paul, thank you once again. Look after yourself. Take care. And I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Thank you, Peter. Thank Good. you.